Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to this week's episode of Believe in K-State. This week, Reggie and I talk about the disappointing loss to the Texas Longhorns and look forward to this Saturday's battle against the Baylor Bears in Waco. But first, a message from our sponsor. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your First sports bet, use our promo code BLEAV50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BLEAV50. Bet online where the game starts. I'm glad I didn't bet on that game on Saturday. Well, Joe, me either. I did, and I lost a couple bucks on it. Did you? Uh, luckily, Notre Dame beat uh, Clemson, so I salvaged a little bit and kind of didn't kind of broke even. So everything's a, is a wash. That's good. Well, I even over under for Texas scoring, I think, was twenty seven points, and I almost pulled, pulled the trigger on that one. And I'm glad I didn't because they had that by halftime. <laughs> Well, Joe, me and you both had the opportunity to witness this. We got off to a great start with a great, fantastic tailgate with you guys. So I was feeling in a pretty good mood. But, man, let me tell you, 34 to 27, this is probably one of the most disappointing losses uh, I've seen from the climbing era. In a long time, Joe. And I think it's a lot of factors we'll get into of why. Yeah, there's a lot of blame to go around on this one. The uh, the defense wasn't prepared at the beginning of the game, I didn't think. Um, right. they uh, Texas didn't punt in the first half. So they just marched down the field every time and scored. The refs were bad. I mean, we'll talk about a couple of those calls. You can't ever blame the refs, but... When they're bad and they're bad in one direction, that's frustrating. Yes. Adrian Martinez. Uh, I'm kind of in the camp. I'm I'm all right with them going with Adrian Martinez. He's a starter and he was healthy and he wanted to go. There are points at the game where I thought they could have pulled him and put in Will Howard for a pick-me-up maybe uh, for the team because they look dead at times on offense. But at the end of the day, he did have a pretty solid game. He had one horrible interception in the first half that really killed them. But 
Uh, and then the play call, well, the play calling and the clock management at the end of the game on the last two drives. The second to last drive, there's the clock's just ticking and ticking and ticking, and there's no urgency, and they're down 10 points. They're trying to get the calls in from the sideline. They're taking every second off the play clock, right. and they need to score twice with like five minutes left in the game. And they're all looking at the sideline, and they're trying to get the play in. Then the play comes in, and Martinez goes from lineman to lineman, you know, whispering what the what the snap count is. And oh, that was so frustrating. And then on that second, uh, on that last drive, <laughs> well, we'll get into it, I guess. They they oh. for they force a punt. And they're down seven points because on that previous drive, they have to kick that field goal because they just ran out of time, ran out of downs. That's fine. You, you're, you At least you scored. You're down seven now. But then they forced Texas to three and out. And there's three and a half minutes left in the game. And Kleiman has two timeouts. And this was egregious. They, they just let the clock run. They couldn't. They could. They should have used the first time out there to get some more time. By the time Texas punted, there was two fifty-three left on the clock. They they wasted thirty-seven seconds of clock time on that. I I just didn't understand that at all. Looking back, I get you want to save a timeout, but you had two of them, and I think that. I mean, if you need to score a touchdown, they got the ball back on their own nineteen-yard line. I mean, they had to go the whole, they had to go 81 yards. Well, and they only had a couple minutes to do it. Yeah. There's a lot in there. And I can tell with the frustration of, of just you articulating all those sequence of events that it was a very frustrating uh, ordeal. I'm going to pick up on the back end of, of, of your summation of summary of the game of the clock management. Um, you're exactly right. You never can take timeouts, you know, with you at the end of the game. So Kleiman's thought process of what he stated in his press conference, and he reiterated it again today, was that particularly he thought he can get one more play and then use the other timeouts. But I agree with you. Even to even get settled after they had the three and out, and got the punt, you maybe should have called a timeout to give yourself some more time to get the proper play call and get in the right situation because you still had one more timeout right. to, be able to, to be able to utilize. And the whole sequence of events, like you said, the last two drives was a was a cluster. It was a, mm -hmm. it was a hodge, complete chaos of not executing the offense quickly, timely, from getting the play upstairs to having the right um, personnel groupings, et cetera. Now, I do know they had some injuries. Cade Warner and Knowles was banged up a little bit mm -hmm. of trying to see what was going on and how things are being played out. But it is incredibly incredibly frustrating when you just can't get the execution going and get it done quickly and 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 as as it needs to be 
done in an in a executed fashion. Yeah, when they... Yeah. So when they got the ball, they had 2.43 on the clock. And they were on their own 19-yard line. And that, so I have this actually written down and laid out how that drive went, if you'll indulge me here. Right. And maybe you can interrupt me if you want. But uh, first down, two-yard pass to Garcia right across the middle. Clock continues to run. Now, you'll see a theme here is that Martinez was throwing short passes. And even when he fumbled the ball away, they were still only at the 40-something yard line. So they weren't even close to getting the, t- the game time touchdown. But we'll get to that. Uh, right. Second down, 10-yard pass and run to Sanat for first down. And this was another short pass. It was like a four- or five-yard pass that he had to run for the first down. And the clock's continuing to run. Then it's first down, and they throw a two-yard pass to Deuce Vaughn, and he was able to get out of bounds, stopping the clock. But still, it's only a two-yard pass. Right. Second down, 13-yard pass to Warner. He got first down. But it was in the middle of the field, and then the clock continued to run. Right. Then, then on first down, you have a two-yard pass again, <laughs> but it was incomplete, so the clock stopped. But he's throwing all these short passes, and you need to get the ball downfield. On second down, Martinez was pressured in the pocket. He tried to scramble, and that's the one where he fumbled the ball out of bounds, and it got knocked out of bounds, so they kept the ball, and the clock did stop. Right. Then on third and 12, threw a six-yard pass to Garcia, and they got the first down. No, they didn't on that because it was third and 12. It was a six-yard pass. But, the, right. you know, they didn't even stop the clock. And then exactly. on, on fourth and six, they pass it to Deuce. He got a first down. And there's 32 seconds left at this point. And I think the whole stadium was like, there's 32 seconds left. You kind of look discombobulated out there. You're not throwing the ball downfield. Martinez is scrambling and running for his life. Call a timeout and calm everyone down and maybe call like a couple plays during that timeout, so you know exactly what you're doing. But no, he still had two timeouts, and then on that first down, that's when Martinez fumbled and Texas recovered the ball. So I think the whole thing was just totally mismanaged. And like you said, don't you shouldn't end the game, a game like that, with timeouts in your pocket, and they had two left in their pocket. Right, so his thought process would have been, hey, we didn't think we were going to fumble the ball. I just thought that the team needed settling down. Um, and right. Adrian had, like you said before, had just got away with one earlier where he's fumbling. So I think Adrian is, an ex- is in an excitable mode. He's trying to make plays. He wants to be the hero. He wants to have the big drive. But I just think it took an opportunity to just say, okay, Bring everybody to the sideline, take a deep breath, get in the right personnel groupings, get the right play in, and let's settle down to see if we can have a shot at this thing and try to win it. And I think I think everyone in the stadium thought the same thing. Everyone standing around me was call a timeout. Call a timeout. You have two, you know. Right. But but it didn't happen. It, I think the logical thing was to call a timeout there. And he right. didn't for whatever reason, and we know how it ended. But 
So to go back to how we even got in this position, Joe, uh, this is probably the most disappointing first halves of football that I've seen the defense play. Now, let's give Texas credit. Uh, B. John Robinson is one of the best running backs in the country. We know in the Big 12. We stated yep. all those things coming into the game. But at some point, you've got to make adjustments, not at halftime. you got to be able to get off the field on third down. We had several opportunities, Joe, in the first half on some of those earlier series. If we could have just made a play on third down, the outcome would have been a lot different because first and second down plays came okay. Also. We know we have to tackle well. I made this emphasis last week in previewing this game. This guy is going to run hard. You have to wrap him up. I know it's hard to simulate fully in practice because they don't go all the way to the ground. But at some point, there needed to have been a better emphasis of wrapping up, game tackling, taking out the legs, do whatever you need to do to get this guy on the ground. Yes, he's going to make some plays, but you can't give up 200-plus yards of rushing offense from one running back. So that's unacceptable. No, and you can blame that right there for the loss, as far as I'm concerned, even up 200 yards to Robinson. You can't do that. They knew they couldn't do that, but they did it. And, yeah, that defense in the first half was very disappointing. Now, they, they played good in the second half. I'll say good. Some people said great, but I, I'll say good because still lost the game. And they gave up one key drive there where uh, Texas got a field goal. But anyway, I thought they played good in the second half. First half, though, that was unacceptable. And you can't can't get behind 31 to 10. That last touchdown of the half, they were put in a bad position, and I understand that. But they weren't stopping them anyway. They weren't stopping them all that first half. So no, they wasn't stopping them. They wasn't stopping them at all. They um, they completely did not get it done. They completely just didn't get it done in the first half. Now, turn the page to the second half. We do have to give the Kansas State Wildcats some credit. They did. They could have threw in the towel. And this thing could have been a 49 to 14 type blowout game. Yeah. They did show some fight. They didn't give up. They were a resilient bunch. Uh, but close is only good in horseshoes. This was a pivotal game for Kansas State to control their own destiny for the Big 12 championship. They had home field advantage at home, a night game. All the stars was lining up for them to, to get this done. Now, Kudos to Texas for having a great scheme and a great plan because they answered the bell. Yeah, uh, they did. And Texas seems to have our number. This is six times in a row. We can't beat the University of Texas. Climbing has not beat them yet in his career. Um, and somehow these just guys just was able to get a victory in Manhattan. And that's the frustrating thing with me, Joe. I understand, like, if we go and lose to Baylor this week and it's a close game, it's hard to win on the road. Baylor's mm-hmm. a very good team. There's no shame in that. And I'm not saying there's any shame to lose to Texas, but you really got to take advantage of with this conference being so close, being so nip and tuck, 
that you can't lose the ones at home because it's so hard to win on the road. Yeah, it is. And that's what makes it even more frustrating is they had a chance to win and coaching decisions down the stretch didn't allow them the opportunity to win, I thought. I thought with some better coaching down the stretch, they could maybe could have got that touchdown there at the end and at least put the game into overtime. But Texas just beat their butts in the first half. And I don't know if I told you or not, but I stayed with a buddy of mine in Wamigo and his son-in-law's best friends with Quinn Ewer, Quinn Ewer's yeah. dad. <laughs> so I got to spend the weekend with him. And we all got back to the house first because they stayed behind to, you know, meet the team after the game and all that. But we got back to Brad's house and, you know, we're all kind of PO'd about the game and talking about it. And I thought, oh, boy, these guys are going to get here and they're going to be thrilled and happy and, you know, going to make us even more irritated. Well, they walk in and Quinn Ewer's dad is pissed off at Sarkeesian. He's like, this Sarkeesian, they can't, they can't can't do second half adjustments. They can't do anything in the second half. This is ridiculous how they let K-State back in the game. So he was almost pissed off at Texas as we were at K-State. But I thought that was funny, at least, that for, just to see that different perspective. Like, they were so angry that they let K-State back in that game after being ahead by so many points. Yeah, because they know that they were uh, – uh... Uh, just a stone throw away from letting a big, a major collapse, right? And a big comeback by Kansas State. I mean, yeah. Luckily, they got a little far ahead in the beginning to where K State just was too far behind, and we, we ran out of time. But you know, it 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 definitely is a situation. I can see him being upset because Texas owned the game. They should have blew the game wide open. We should never been that close, but. We mm-hmm. did make some adjustments. Yes. We made some mm-hmm. plays. Our defense stepped up. We created a couple turnovers. Um, I just think the game did not come down to Will Howard starting versus Adrian Martinez. I don't uh, think so I, either. Because here's a good here's what I tell a lot of people who makes this argument. Martinez was under duress almost the whole game. That defensive line was in his face. He had to make some throws in the pocket. He had to make some escapes that were, I don't think Will would escape. I think there would have been four or five more sacks if Will Howard was in the game. Now, maybe Will Howard would have made a couple throws. Maybe he would have saw a nose open on a touchdown that was wide open. Maybe he would have executed a couple more passes. That's debatable. But I would tell you, some of the escapability of Martinez had to do if he didn't have that, then was going to be sacks. I agree with you there. And I'm not really harping on that. They should have started Will Howard versus Martinez. Like I said, they think Mark, they know Martinez is a starter and that they're going to go with him if he's healthy. And they didn't. Now, whether, whether they should have pulled him or not is another question. There in the first half when he threw that horrible interception with like a minute left in the half. He threw it right to the Texas guy in their own territory. And Texas got the ball back and went up 20 or 31 to 10. Or yeah, was it 31 to 10 at that point, I think. But I think you could have made a case to pull him after that. But look, they didn't. And they almost came back and tied the game. 
So you could argue that they made the right decision in leaving him in the game. Yeah, and I wouldn't have pulled him because it was just an interception. He's mm-hmm. your starter. It's not like he's playing piss poor. The yeah. guy was 24 for 36 for 329 yards and two touchdowns. He rushed for four, 52 yards on 14 carries. So he had almost 381 yards of your total offense um, by himself. So it's hard, Joe, to uh, to second guess that. Now, we know that there were some plays left on the field, but the guy probably had his best. He had his best passing game ever at Kansas State. Yeah. Uh, it was just was in a game that our defense decided that they didn't want to participate as well at, at all. Um, no, I was just so, saying, you know, it, I wouldn't have a huge issue if they would have pulled him, but I didn't. I don't have an issue at all with letting him stay in the game. And like you said, Will would have struggled with that pass rush. I think he wouldn't have been able to get away like Martinez did. You know, like you mentioned. So, man, I'm good with it. Well, before we transition to Baylor, um, Joe, I want to pick my Reggie's big baller of the game. We've got a lot of potential candidates for this. But let's start on the offensive side. I think number one, even though he had the costly turnover, Adrian Martinez is one of my contenders for big baller of the game. 24, 36, 329 yards passing and another 52 yards rushing on 14 carries. He's definitely a contender for big ball of the game. Would you agree? Yes, I agree with that. The next one I like to is Deuce Vaughn. He didn't have a great, extraordinary rushing day. He only had 73 yards on 19 carries, but he was very important in the passing game. He had seven receptions for 86 yards. Yep. So still over almost 160, about 169 yards of total offense from Deuce Vaughn. Very, very good game for him as well. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, one other person on the uh, offensive side of the ball uh, that I thought can get consideration was a um, was actually knows with three receptions, 93 yards. The long is only 31, only three receptions. But I thought the three receptions, I'm sorry, the longest was 62 yards. I think that play, if we could have punched it in after that long pass play he had, was a pivotal part of um, our opportunities in the game. And if he wouldn't have got hurt, which I think he got hurt in the game, he would have played a bigger part as well. Defensively, my candidates are, and this guy is a nose tackle. Eli Huggins had eight total tackles, five solos, a tackle for loss. He was all over the field. Yeah, he was Um, for sure. And played a very, very stout game. Now, they didn't look great in the first half, but this guy did some things in the second half. And another guy is Kobe Savage. He had eight total tackles as well, five solo, and a tackle for loss, a big tackle for loss. 
that gave K-State the opportunity. So out of those, Joe, I'm going to go with my big ball of the game. I'm going to go with Elon Huggins on the defensive side. I just thought from a defensive standpoint to give Kansas State an opportunity to get back into the game, he played well. And to have that many tackles, and some of those tackles were some hustle plays that he had to run down when you look at the film. He's my big ball of the game. I'm going to go to defensive guy. Eli Huggins. All right. I'm 100% with you on that one. He did have a great game. Like you said, all over the field that game. So, uh, All right. Now we got to switch gears to Waco, Joe. Do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> Baylor's on a three-game streak. They're playing very well. Yep. Uh, they're a hard team to beat down in Waco. Here's another one of Climbers' nemesis. He has not beaten Baylor. Uh, we got to find a way to contain the Baylor Bears this week. Baylor is in second place now, along with us in Texas. So, right. Heck, it's another game for second place. Baylor is quietly, like you said, won three in a row. They're looking good and they're in contention. And they play after us, they play TCU in Texas. Next, so yeah, they they yeah. control their own destiny to get to the back to the Big Twelve championship game, and everyone wrote them off a few weeks back, and now they're right back in it, and they you know they look good. Their stats wise, I won't get into it too much this week, but um, you know, total yeah, yard, yeah. total offense, total defense, they're right there or better than K State. Well, I'm cautiously optimistic, Joe. I'm hoping that we can somehow rebound, find a way to go into Waco and sneak out a victory. I think it's going to be hard. I never had us winning this game at the beginning of the year. It's going to be extremely difficult. It's a night game. We're already a, um, well, we're probably a, what, Okay, Baylor's a, what, two-and-a-half-point favorite? Yeah, I think it was three points when I looked earlier, but yeah. Yeah, around that. two-and-a-half, two probably is about right. I thought it would be a little bit bigger than that. But we're still ranked. You know, Baylor's not ranked. But I think these teams are evenly matched teams that can, um, once again, it's going to come down to protecting the ball, not having any turnovers. I think we got to get dudes fine over 100 plus yards. We need a solid performance for Martinez, and the defense has to stop Baylor's run game. Yeah, they Baylor average is 38 points a game, which is second in the league. They had a running back that kind of came out of nowhere against Texas. Greg Williams had 192 yards and two touchdowns, and he's a fifth year junior. Right, and their normal running back. You know, number one running back is Richard Reese, and he didn't do much in the game. And obviously, I didn't see that game, so I don't know how exactly that played out. I think Reese had about uh, 10 carries and didn't have many yards. So maybe they they got this other kid in there, and he just lit it up. But, yeah, they can run the ball. They can score. And this game really scares me. They're statistically, Baylor is, is at or better than Kate State and all the – 
major statistical categories like total offense, total defense, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's going to be tough for K-State. The the defense is going to have to play great. They're going to have to stop the run. You know, everything says that this will be a close game, and the K-State's defense should be able to keep them in it. So, uh, you know, it's going to come down to a play here or there, I think, to decide this one. Yeah, and I think offensively, you're exactly right. I think offensively, Baylor really wants to run the ball. But Blake Shapin is a quarterback that came into the K-State game last year uh, when their quarterback got injured, the one that transferred. He lit K-State up, uh, and I didn't think we was ready for him last year. But this kid is Blake Shapin from Shreveport. He's a sophomore. <clears throat> he can make plays, and he can really spin the ball, Joe. But I think he's prone to – he'll turn it over every now and then. I think he'll give it up if you put a little pressure on him. You can't just let him sit back there and throw. I think he'll give it up a little bit. But he is a guy that can play quarterback at a high level for Baylor. They really don't want him to win the game for them because they really want to run it. They want to be balanced. If they got 70 plays, they want to run probably 40 out of those 70 or 45 and, and then throw the rest. So, once again, the importance of stopping the run, getting off on third down, being able to create some turnovers, I think the defense has been great on that. Being optimistic, being being able to strip the ball, get a interception, give us a short field, we're going to need that. And then I think offensively, I'm assuming it's going to be Martinez. All indication says that we've got to look to score. We can't manage the game and get into one of these manage the games. We've got to be aggressive, Joe. We've got to look to score. We can't worry about Martinez turning it over. Baylor does like to play a lot of man-to-man, so we got to take some chances. Our receiver against their DB, can they get off the one-on-one coverage? We might have to try a few 50-50 jump balls. Can we get some pass interference calls? Yeah, we didn't get them in the Texas game, but we got to take a shot, and I think we need to score. We need to look to score, to be aggressive, and not trying to get in a ball possession, manage the game. I agree with you there. They need We need to score and get ahead and get, get a lead, I think. This isn't a team that can play from behind. They don't play well from behind. So, yeah, keep scoring, keep scoring, and keep the throttle down. That, that'd be my take on it. No, you're exactly right because they got a running back. You know, this kid. Coming off a big performance, 192 yards. So, you know, they like to do it. And they got athletes at the receiver position, too. Um, Cameron Cameron is a guy, Josh Cameron. He's a freshman, but he's a kid uh, that can make plays from Cedar Park, Kansas. I mean, I'm sorry, from Cedar Park, Texas. He makes plays all over the place. Um, Presley is another guy that can catch it as well. He's a sophomore, 6'3", 200 pounds. So they got some guys that will get out there and make some plays uh, as well. I just think defensively and offensively, Baylor is playing with a lot of confidence. They got their swagger back. 
Um, they are the Big 12 reigning champions. And now I think everybody needs to understand that coming down the stretch. And it's going to take a Herculanean effort for Kansas State to pull this thing off. We've got to play a little bit better in the special teams game. Not necessarily the kicking part because Zittner is playing very well in all three phases of the kicking force. But we got to get some return yards. We might have to take a shot at maybe trying to block a punt. I just think we're going to need some field position, short field, get us a touchdown or two. And like you said, we got to try to play from the lead. We got to get ahead early to take the Baylor crowd out of it because Baylor is not 80, 90,000 or so like OU, but it's a small, raucous crowd as well. And it's going to be a night game and they'll be effective at Baylor. Yeah, they will be. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. There's no, there's very little margin for error for K-State in this game. They can't turn the ball over, no fumbles, no interceptions. They're going to have to move the ball downfield, possess the clock, run the clock, but at the same time, score touchdowns and and stay in the game. And, you know, that's going to be tough to do. Herculean, like you said, I like that word. Herculean effort. Yeah, we have to do it. And we're, and we're, we're due for one, Joe. It's, um, you know, we had a tremendous performance against Oklahoma State at home. But we got to be able to go do this thing on the road. And I think when we went to Oklahoma early in the year, it got off to a great start. That's the type of game we've got to have. Get out early. It's not going to be a blowout. Baylor's going to answer us, but I think if we could stay ahead of the sticks, stay ahead of the chains, get out ahead about 10 points or so, Baylor could be trying to play catch up, and I think we can hang in there and get out of there with a victory. But if we do, we still got a shot. We're going to need some help for Mm -hmm. Texas to lose, but it uh, is either us, Texas, or Baylor. That's going to probably play TCU. Those four teams, two out of those four are going to be in the Big 12 championship. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think Baylor might be able to beat Texas. So that's why I think Baylor may sneak their way in there. And we'll do our predictions here in a minute. But I think I think it's likely Baylor out of those three. But anyone's in it right now. So got to keep playing and keep winning. Well, I'm going to um... – and it looks like you're leaning towards Baylor this week. I was going Baylor, uh, and, and I thought Baylor would win this game from the beginning of the year. I thought Baylor would win this game. Uh, I still, as I'm speaking right now, is torn between K-State and Baylor. That two-and-a-half seems just about right uh, of, the, of the K-State line. Um, but in all honesty, I think Baylor is probably going to win this game 31 to 28. Uh, I think they'll get a late field goal. They'll just have a little bit too much for us to handle. It's disappointing. I'm hoping that I'm 100% wrong on this prediction, Joe, because I'm pulling for K-State to make a run and get to the Big 12 championship. But I knew that this game would be tough at the beginning of the year no matter how the season swung. That's why I thought it was important for us to sweep Oklahoma State and Texas because I thought this was a game 
that in this gauntlet that I had, this kind of three-game gauntlet, I thought it was a little bit too much to go down to Waco and try to get the victory. Yeah, I felt the same way. I, I mean, we talked about the three-game gauntlet here, and these are the three games I had picked them to lose. So I, I'm going to stick with that prediction. I think it'll be – I think the line is about right in this game, actually. And I, But I think, you know, something like 35 to 30 or something like that, Baylor. Uh, Baylor ends up getting the win here. Home field advantage will be helpful to them. And I, I don't see anything on paper anyway that would lead me to pick K-State in this one. Other than my heart, I mean, I want them to win, but on paper, I don't see anything anything glaring at me that gives K-State an advantage. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Baylor. And I never usually pick against K-State at all. Like I say, my heart, and I, I would still probably pick K-State to cover the points. Um, but it is a tough road game in an environment. We're going to have to play our – uh, uh, one of our best games of this of the year to be able to pull it off, Definitely. and that and that's because of how good Baylor is uh, and what they've been able to do and being able to have the home field advantage. I do think though, if Baylor beats us, Joe, I do think they go on to play. TCU in the Big 12 championship. I think they'll beat TCU, come back and beat Texas, and um, probably run the table and be 9-3 and three and get another shot at TCU. Yep, that's exactly what I think is going to happen if they beat K-State. So. Well, let's hope we're wrong. My heart is still <laughs> K-State. I don't yep. want the listeners, when they hear this, to be like, boo, what are you guys thinking about? We're just trying to use some logic and use our eyes of what we see. But uh, I'm 100% hoping that Kansas State can pull us off, make some adjustments, do what they need to do. They know it's going to be a serious challenge. Um, and we'll see if we can get this thing done. It should be a fun one. Yeah, I think it's going to be a nerve-wracking game for the entire three hours. So. Yeah, no doubt. Well, go Wildcats. Believe in K-State. We're still there. Uh, and bet online. Make sure you go get your get your, get your your picks in if you want to be a little generous. This show has been brought to you by Bet Online. They're always a part of Believe in K-State. So, everybody have a great week and uh, go Wildcats. Go Wildcats. Talk to you later, Reggie. All right, you too, Take man. Care. Bye. Bye. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.